For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ballgame. Take me out to the ballgame. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. Let me You're out at the old ball game. Welcome to Let's Get Two, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome to Let's Get Two. I'm your host, James Christopher, and we do have a packed show for you today. And for some of you, you're seeing... The show a little bit different today. Yeah, it's our first video version of the show. We hopefully do this a lot more. Um, we've actually had some requests for it, which I think is weird. And you guys can thank our good friends at Before the Pitch or blame them for us finally taking that plunge and doing a video version of the show. I'm not sure why people want to watch a bunch of dudes who clearly can't play baseball anymore talk about baseball. But that's what we're doing uh, before we get started, I do want to do a shout out to the teams that we're representing today. That's at least one benefit. We get to kind of throw a little bit more love to some of our favorite brands in the minor leagues. So today we're wearing the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. And then we've got a hat from the Tacoma Rainiers. The Pelican shirt I'm actually super proud of because I ordered it offline and it was too small. And I have lost the weight. It's been almost a year. And I'm very excited to finally be able to wear this shirt. But that's about the best news we have to report today. Unfortunately, you know, it's not it's not been a great day for baseball. Teams are laying off minor leaguers. The Players Association and the owners are going back and forth, but not really. They're just kind of yelling at each other now. We feel like it's like our parents are fighting or something. But it's a really bad situation for baseball, honestly. And it feels like both groups are being woefully and tragically short-sighted. The vibe I get It's as if each side of this argument, the Players Association and the owners group, all think they have some sort of inherent upper hand on the other. And so they're acting as if their battle is won. So now it's like, let's see how much we can get. Let's see how much farther we can go. And in fact, all it's doing is leaving their fans in the dust. So if I could, I would offer two pieces of advice to both groups of people. One... Your game is already losing popularity. For as much as I love it and I can scream as, as as much as I want to anybody that will listen, I immediately get pushback from students and from friends. Baseball's boring. I know it's not boring, but that's what you get. And the problem with baseball isn't because the time is the games are too long. The games have, have roughly, at least the pace of the game has roughly been the same. Why the runtime of games is a little bit longer is a whole different animal and a discussion Major League Baseball is not willing to have. The other problem baseball is facing, and this is where they really dropped the ball on this coronavirus thing, is that people are realizing they don't need it. You know, it's the same thing with other forms of entertainment, but baseball had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to say, if we if we play this right. We can be the first ones back. We can take our proper role as America's pastime and bring the country together. But rather than do that, 
They did the opposite of that. And now they've again, like we talked about last week, got millionaires and billionaires are fighting while the thousandaires are the ones who are going to end up losing out, either by losing the game, losing elements of the game, or deciding that we don't care and those of us who do care are going to end up paying more for the same product. Make no mistake about it. Whether the owners make a concession here or the players make a concession there, we will be the ones, fans of the game, that will end up paying for those concessions through increased prices of concessions, caps, tickets, all of that stuff. It's all going to get a little bit more expensive, incrementally, a little bit at a time. It's that frog in the boiling water, right? They're not going to throw us in a pot of boiling water. They're just going to slowly bring the, the water up to boil, hopefully that we don't notice. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We've got a fun little exercise. Where we're going to bring two of our segments together in a battle royale where they both agree. Nothing like that for good television in your first video episode. So stay with us. Go, go Astros, a focus on H-Town Hardball. And now, the Big League Chew, and I on the Majors, brought to you by Zoomer Sport. So we're excited now. We are doing a mashup, if you will. That's what the kids call it. We've got our Go, go Astros segment going at the same time as our Big League Chew segment because there's a lot to chew on, and it looks like things are getting weird, and I kind of wanted to bring our two experts together to talk about it. Um, you know, Andy, why don't you go ahead and set the scene? First of all, I guess we should start with how are you guys doing? You all look fabulous. Well, I'm happy that you use the word experts without air quotes since everybody can see you now. <laughs> yeah, at- yeah, yeah. It was nice of him, wasn't it? Finally, we didn't hear that over the – Right. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> uh, Andy, set the scene for where we are in all of this because it seems like it changes daily. It doesn't change at all. I think the term that I've settled on is bag of dicks because um, <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like right now. Uh, for those that are not following, um, the owners made a proposal that the players outright rejected before they even got the proposal. proposal. And um, that included the big sticking point, obviously, is salaries and how the players are going to be compensated for games. In March, the players had agreed to do a pro rata salary, um, and the owners have come back, at least via the media, not through actual proposal, and said, well, we'd rather pay you some sort of revenue sharing, which, of course... The players went immediately to said, nope, that's salary cap. We're not doing it. We don't agree to it. We've already agreed to t- cut our salaries in half, basically. Um, and for the longest time, I guess, and I guess still, um, the p- ball is in the player's court because the owners have actually made a proposal. In my real life, um, I have dealt with labor negotiations, and thank God I don't have to deal with unions anymore. Um, So that does color some of what I'm about to say, (laughs) but it's kind of to the point where the players need to come up with some sort of counter proposal. You don't like what the owners have come up with. You've rejected whatever they've said outright. And now tell us what you are willing to do. And typically what you'd see, and I still think you're going to see this. It's just going to be really compacted really fast is all right. We don't like yours. Here's ours. And okay, well, the owners are going to say, well, we don't like that, but here's where we're going to bend. And you meet in the middle and eventually you get there. And I still think eventually we're going to get there. But right now it's um, the owners who are historically assholes, billionaire assholes, against the players who are short-term assholes, millionaire assholes. And so it's generational wealth versus new money. And it's it, <laughs> those two things never going to go well. Um, 
as of this morning, I found a couple of articles where the Players Association is planning to respond and actually have a counterproposal that um, includes playing more than 82 games for possibly an 82 game set worth of 82 games worth of salary, which means that they would get half of the money, which is basically what they all figured they were agreeing to, but they play 100 games or 112 games versus 82. Um, that's expected to be in the counterproposal. Um, and Max Scherzer, I think, is one of the people who's kind of tweeted about that being a thing that they're considering. So I think there's movement, but it's just so slow. I know we've been talking now for three weeks about the owner's proposal, which didn't technically get made until you know, a few <laughs> days ago. Yeah. And we've also postponed recording this segment a couple of times because we kept waiting for breaking news to happen. And it's been three weeks and nothing's happened. I mean, it's to the point where ESPN, The Athletic, there's very little conversation going on in public, which is super interesting because both of these groups are very used to negotiating through the press. Right. It does seem interesting, uh, Scott, one of your take on the the breakdown in salary was it really looks like, like I'm an American and I'm a capitalist, but it does look like they are essentially taxing like it looks like Justin, Justin Verlander would really in the MLB proposal would be getting like 30% of his salary, not 50. So that way the league minimum guys took no cut. Uh, do you, why do you think that's not going to wash with the players? I ask sarcastically. Well, the strange part, I mean, well, first of all, it's not going to wash because the guys making the most money who are your stars of your league are never, ever, ever going to buy into the, the proposal as is. And, and I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure what Major League Baseball is really gunning for here. Uh, what the owners are gunning for, because you're not keeping your stars happy. That's obvious. You're coming into a contract, a collective bargaining year, where you've got to get a new contract with the Players Association. You have pretty much thumbed your nose at minor league baseball uh, as a whole uh, for the in the AAA players who would be rounding out these uh, would be rounding out the rosters and are the only ones that might benefit a little bit from this. Um, th- you've done everything to show that they don't matter, but now you kind of want to throw them a bone. What it really comes down to, I think Andy hit, hit on some great topics there. Um, and, and I'm not just saying that because he's so good looking, um, but he's incredibly but, handsome. I know it's, it's that, it's that yeah, salt and pepper thing. And I'm jealous of you guys. You have hair. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> but getting back to the point, uh, I, I think really at the end of the day, it's the owners trying to line their own pockets as much as they possibly can. That's really what it always comes down to. And um, their proposal does that. And they've kind of paint. I think what they tried to do was paint the players into a corner where the players would look bad. But the owner's proposal was so bad that it's transparent. That just because Blake Snell uh, isn't going to play the game, uh, it doesn't trump what, what, the, uh, what the owners just did with this proposal. I, I, it, it brings up two questions that I wanted you guys to address. One, it feels like we could have this exact same conversation, what is it, 26 years ago now? Um, the owners are saying they don't make enough, but they don't tell us how much they are or aren't making. I think it was Scherzer, in fact, in his tweet, Andy, that said, if you'll show us the books, we'll be open to that conversation. It's that they won't. Other part of that question is, by doing what we described where you are saying the very, very rich take the big pay cut, the very, very low end don't, are you dividing the union ahead of a 2021 collective bargaining agreement? Absolutely. Um, and it's really interesting from a labor perspective because 
the owners are, it appears they're building a proposal that is going to target the three to five year player that it could, because the system is most going to benefit them. And there's more of those guys. Um, and it's like the, the, the belief that the labor union is somehow driven by the mass of their membership rather than the stars and the leadership of their membership. It's it just not. Um, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how, this, how the union works. It's not one man, one vote. I know people would like to think it is. It's not. Um, a Justin Verlander, a Max Scherzer, a Tony Clark have a lot more say in what the union's response is than a um, Max Stassi. Or Nick, Nick Tantalou. I don't like that kind of fruit, but fine. <laughs> yeah, sure. Scott, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think that maybe we also just saw something in the NFL offseason where they've added a 17th game. That, you know, they went through a three-step process to get it to the players for the one-man, one-vote type of thing in the NFL to, to, to pass that off uh, for that extra game to be played, for salaries to go up for the, for the lower guys, but not so much for the upper guys. Uh, they're taking a bigger risk. And I almost wonder if the Major League Baseball owners who are not known to have their own relevant epiphanies, somebody looked at that and said, oh, we should just copy that. We should do it that way. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious if, if they're trying to take the NFL's lead on this and, and go at it that way. But, but that, just, that was a decision made before the coronavirus hit this continent. So it's just, it's just all wrong. It should not be this difficult to play baseball. It really shouldn't. Andy, anything else? Did he follow up on that? I mean, it, Scott's exactly right. The, the worst part of baseball in this country is Major League Baseball. And I don't mean the game. I mean the organization um, as it is, because it is so far out of touch with what normal people, and I don't have to use air quotes on normal people, normal people are going through right now. Um, they're so far removed from the idea of giving hope other than from a lip service standpoint or being an inspiration. Um, they are very well going to be, they're already behind soccer. Um, Premier yeah. League is going to start up. NASCAR has started up. Tennis is starting up. Golf is going to start up. Um, I think uh, whatever the woman's version of MLS is going to start up soon. MLS is going to follow right after that. And we're 60 days away from NFL camp starting. So the, Baseball has a very limited window, and I haven't even mentioned hockey or basketball yet, which are still probably going to have playoffs. We've talked about before that baseball has probably fallen to fourth or fifth in, the, in popularity in the country, depending on what part of the country you're talking about. They're aiming right to like sixth, seventh, or eighth. Um, <laughs> just by the sheer stupidity at which they're approaching this. They have to stop negotiating through the media. They have to start making progress. Both sides have to understand they have some fault in this. I absolutely believe the owners have more faults, but at some point something's got to give because otherwise there may not be baseball to come back to. And the players have to understand that as well. And Andy, I think that goes not only for this season, but going into that collective bargaining, if you can't absolutely. get it together now, you were totally at loggerheads with each other going into next year. This could turn into 1994 all over again. I want to add another element to the conversation in a second, but Scott, it comes down to something that we talked about and Andy, we talked about it too when the Astro sign stealing came out, that we all, I think, thought if we put a, a tinfoil hat on, part of the reason to handle the Astros the way they did was to already start to break the union by getting those players so vocally anti-Astros. You already disrupt the union, and now you get to do this on top of that. 
Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's a situation where the owners are nefarious, and they're certainly clandestine in their operations. Um, and I have some other um, SAT words I could drop in there, but I'll <laughs> stop with those two. Uh, but they absolutely are going to do everything they can to undermine the um, unified front that the players union, then the Major League Baseball Players Union typically does a very good job of putting out. Um, and I think it is targeting groups that are larger in number but smaller in power. Um, I think it is absolutely giving the Astros players immunity in exchange for testimony not offering the same deal for the Red Sox and that's why the Red Sox didn't have to talk and then throwing it out there without any clarification for both uh, investigations to leave the players individually to spout off whatever they wanted to spout off, whether it was accurate or not. And then they can also count on the fact that baseball rosters are replete with meatheads like Blake Snell <laughs> to say things like, I'm not going to play. You're an idiot because I'm not going to make $20,000 every time I pitch. And the public buys that, eats it, eats that stuff up. And so for the first time in my memory, and we're talking 26 years since the last labor stoppage, there is public sentiment that is siding with the owners. The owners have always been the bad guy in this, in this conversation. And I don't think it's 50-50 by any means, but it's slowly moving to the owner's side. And the owners have, la have the staying power through their finances to outlast the players' union if the players' union doesn't come to the table at some point. Completely agree. Completely agree with what Andy's saying, and, and I'll, I'll add what we've talked about before, Jim, on the show, and, and that is that, that in baseball, there are fewer college-educated athletes in baseball than in any other uh, team sport uh, in, in the States because um, everybody else has to go to college, and, and that's not the route that, they, that uh, the average player takes to, to get to, major, to the major league level now. So um, you're, you're, you're trying to take advantage of guys who don't understand the big picture of the system and putting the guys who do understand the big picture of the system, like Tony Clark, uh, putting them in a really precarious position of trying to negotiate through the media and trying to look like the good guy uh, all, all along. It's, it's, it's tough, tough times, and it should not be this difficult. There's it plenty should, of money to go around. And it shouldn't be this difficult to everybody say – you know, the decent thing to do is to say, listen, we're not going to use 2020 as anything like we're not going to try to make a salary cap if we do it this way for these last 80 games. Like if we really are going to be what's best for the country, let's be best for the country. Now, Andy had called this a bag of dicks. And it seems like every time the players step on theirs, the owners decide that it's time to step on theirs. And Oakland did it in a big way, Scott. And I'm not sure people really understand Talk a little bit about what Oakland did to provide some even more context to this situation. Oakland ownership went out of their way to save about $1 million this it's year. It's actually 1.2. mil, which is just over Blake Snell's contract uh, per year, by the way. But the way they went about saving this million dollars with, with an owner that is worth billions, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, the way he went to, about saving a million dollars was to cut 100% cut the $400 per month stipend that his minor league players were supposed to get. In this time, in these troubling times, as we've all heard said many times, uh, in, in these troubling times, this guy went out and said, ah, 400 bucks a month is way too much to pay you guys uh, to, to keep goodwill going on between us. Are you kidding me? It's 400 bucks a month, man. It's 400 bucks a month for guys that, 
that give you blood, sweat, and tears as, uh, what is it, uh, temporary labor, what holiday employment, whatever they call them, um, so they don't have to pay them a salary to begin with. A living minor, wage in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, minor league players are already taking it on the shins because they're so hungry to get to the major league level. And then $400 a month? Are you kidding me? That's That might be enough for one guy to put groceries on his own table for the month, cutting it really, really close. Um, I mean, he has no other bills, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, just just the food on the table, much less the temporary job that he's already have to, he has to get at Home Depot uh, through serious. the summer, through the winter. Yeah, but no the good news here. is though, Andy. The no good more news serious. is the good news is Andy is they're all free agents and they can now go to any other. Oh no, they're still property of the Oakland A's. Bingo. Well, there's no such thing as a long term um, athletic. That's just not a thing. <laughs> I think didn't didn't so, Stu Clary say that on the show last week? There are no career athletics. Like that's what he I, I don't know if he did, but he should have. <laughs> yeah, that ended like, with Connie Mack. That yeah, it's yeah. Connie Mack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like that organization has to worry about pissing off their players because they're all going to get traded or, or released <laughs> anyway at some point. Uh, Matt Chapman's the next one to go. We have, you know, in the AL West, we have one season to survive the A's again before they go through a total rebuild again. <laughs> It just it seems like it just seems like in context of all of it, and I think maybe the most depressing thing about what the Oakland A's did is part of me hopes that it provides some resolve to the players' union, but we've already seen that the players' union actually doesn't really care about the future of the game because they agreed to cut the draft in the first place. They don't care about the minor league players for sure. They, they care about their, their, their superstars and the guys once they're established. But the MLBPA does not care about the MILB uh, players. They, they, they've never shown that they do. If they did, they would be in a fight a little bit more every year to get these guys paid a decent wage uh, for going out risking life and limb uh, in, in some cases. You know, it's a lot of travel on a lot of old buses to crash into walls and catch baseballs. For a second there, I, think, I was thinking about the bushes crashing into walls, and I thought, who's driving these things? Oh, Crash uh, Davis. Crash the, <laughs> the same people that are running Major League Baseball right now. They are, yeah. they're, it's, just, it's a dumpster fire on wheels. So do you think baseball is being helped out by the fact that, because like we've established, it's the fourth the mo- or fifth most popular sport, that not everyone's paying a great level of attention to it? Andy? I think more pre- Oh, Andy, go ahead. Oh, well, yeah. I'll defer to Scott. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, it's being helped out because it's not the primary. The sports channels don't have the ability to report on things that don't exist, despite their best efforts. Uh, so they are going to report on the NBA trying to figure out how to come back with a playoff tournament. They are going to report on the NHL trying to come back. They are clamoring to report on the NFL starting anything. The NFL could literally have a checkers tournament right now, and it would get 24-hour coverage. Um, J.J. Watt against Tom Brady. Who's going to win? I don't think Tom plays checkers. But I think you, I think you would watch it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He didn't play golf all that well this past weekend either until, until he had to. Um, no, I mean, nobody, I think there's a re- Nobody's There's a reason the Johnsonville Cornhole – oh, sorry, go ahead. You, okay. go no ahead. I just finished my thought real quick. Nobody's – there's nothing to watch with baseball right now because there's nothing happening. Uh, and nothing that's happening is all that interesting to the average, average fan because they just want to see games played. What's really interesting to me, a point that Scott just brought up, that the Major League Baseball Players Association doesn't care about the minor leagues, 
nobody cares about the minor leagues once you're out of it. I think that's a fair statement from the players, and it shouldn't be. Because if they had half a brain, you'd drop the MLB PA, you'd have a baseball, a professional baseball players union, and all of a sudden your membership would be about 10 times what it is right now, and you'd be drawing in interest from communities all over the country instead of 30 specific cities. Um, if you were able to do that, you'd have a lot more negotiating power and a lot more room to tell the owners how things should be. And unfortunately, because both sides from MLB standpoint are so short-sighted and so consumed with the now, uh, that's never going to happen. And you're going to see the MILB die a slow, slow death as the major league teams start to absorb them and remove everything that's special about them. We're going to pivot there in a second. Scott, did you want to follow up on the... It, it all comes down, it all really comes down to a five-letter word that's greed. Uh, as Andy just pointed out, it would be great. It would be the optimal situation for minor league players to be part of the Players Association. But if you're seeing that players' union torn apart right now with the tiny divide there is, could you imagine what it will be like if you get Class A guys, single, um, you know, 20-year-olds and 19-year-olds in, in there from Class A? It, it, would, it would have to be balanced so that the stars – you know, I guess you get you get a vote for every dollar you earn. I don't know. Um, it'd, be a, it'd be a horrible image to see just rooms and rooms full of Blake Snells without the talent, <laughs> but with all the attitude. <laughs> well, but I do want to pivot there because you know we are a minor league baseball mostly show, right? And um, I, I think that if if Manfred could have created the coronavirus, he would have because it's doing the job that he wanted done in the first place, as far as starting out by killing these 42 teams. Yes, but he didn't start this, this culling of the herd in Houston. Um, so, sorry, sorry. I mean, you've won me over in the fact that they, there's, they've got – it's not – it ain't paranoia if they're really out to get you. <laughs> right, it's true. Um, no, I, I think you would have absolutely for, – for Manfred, they have used – I believe that Major League Baseball ownership and the front office has used this crisis uh, as a crisis of convenience for them um, to to say, well, shucks, you know, we would have loved to have found a way not to kill all these teams off. But now we, we, we really have to. Um, I, I think they're, they're using that for cover. And I think that's really dirty pool whenever you use a worldwide health crisis um, as an opportunity to push your agenda. Andy, did you have a follow up to that? I mean, it, I hate to keep agreeing with Scott because I know there's no no tension, there's no drama, there's no <laughs> viewers. But um, I mean, he's exactly right. It's just I don't even know if I can expound on what he just said. It's just so frustrating to watch what should be such an easy, easy process be so convoluted and wrapped around individual parties' greed and avarice and inability to see past their own noses. How much of it is because, as we've talked about on the show before, Major League Baseball does not operate as a as a, a league, right? You know, like um, I, I was uh, listen. I, I hate to give Jeff Passan a compliment because it's against my religion, um, but I will. I'm glad I didn't tinkle on his shoes uh, in <laughs> the winter meetings. I thought about it. Um, no uh, just a little, just a little dribble, reminding who I am. Um, but you know, he talked. He did a he did the podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski, and they talked about how um, how Silver and the and the best NBA players got together and discussed what's best for the NBA. 
I cannot imagine Trout and Bregman and Aaron Judge sitting down with Manfred, Manfred um, <laughs> and, uh, and doing that. I can't, and I think that's ultimately part of the problem. It's, I don't even know who, how you would decide who those players are. Um, how, how would you, you know, have the conversation? And I hate to keep bringing up Blake Snell, but how could you convince Blake Snell that he's not part of that conversation, but Justin Verlander is? I mean, Blake has already stolen a Cy Young from Justin Verlander. He obviously probably thinks he should steal his position on the negotiation table. Yeah, and I, and I think the NBA is definitely a, a superstar-centric league uh, like that, uh, whereas the, you have your LeBrons and your um, – uh, the Kawhi Leonard's and, and the, you have those certain Kevin guys. Durant, Kevin Durant. Uh, there you go. Um, I, I can't do my fingers like that. They won't, they won't go that direction. Uh, neither can Andy. It's fine. You better uh, get but, used to it though. Um, <laughs> I, it's weird though. I can do them if I hold them upside down, but, uh, <laughs> fortunate arthritis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It works out that way. No, but I, I don't, I, I don't know who they would start with and how they would go about, finding those people that they need to talk to. And, and if, if you can't, if you can't come together, you know, the owners can rarely come together with each other. Whenever they do, then they have to come together with the players union. And, and that's difficult. And this, these should be the easy talks. You should be able to have something where Tony Clark goes to his membership, goes to his, his people and says, guys, the, the players reps and say, guys, look, it's a, it's a bit of a turd sandwich, but it, here's what it is. Now, what do we counter with? But he, they didn't even give him coverage to do that. It was, hey, here's what the the uh, here's what we want to do without consulting anybody. Just in, in their own vacuum, they somebody reached up and pulled out this brilliant plan that they thought would work, and nobody wants to do it. Uh, I don't know. To Jim, you're right. Andy, you're right. Major League Baseball would not know how to go about talking to the right players uh, in order to make this happen because they're absolutely fraudulent up in the office in the front office i would say if major league baseball had to pick players to talk to to represent the rest of the players um if you pick 10 nine of them would come from new york yes. two of them would come from boston and the rest of the teams would be unrepresented because that's how major league baseball to your point jim um sees baseball it's those two franchises and the dodgers and nobody else including the cardinals who have won the second most world series you know, oh, all yeah. right, guys. Yeah. Yes, we have. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, so I guess as we wrap up, then best case, Andy, are we playing baseball this year? We're and still do- playing baseball. I just don't know that I care anymore. Okay, and and Scott, we're playing baseball every morning in in the South Korea League. <laughs> we're playing baseball. Go hey, monkeys! Man, I, I'm, I I am right here. I have decided. I'm pledging my allegiance to the Doosan Bears. I'm I'm all for them. Uh, Jose Fernandez swings a sweet stick. I, I am I am a Doosan Bears fan, and, and if I can get it shipped, you're going to see me with a with a Doosan Bears jersey on this uh, this cast b- before it's all said and done. From the major leagues, though, they'll eventually play. Uh, as much as they ang- get angry with each other, they they can do it. I don't know if they'll get 100 games in at this point because they've got a limited window. Uh, in order to get three weeks of spring training and, and get games going. They got to make their ass. Only Major League Baseball could fumble – like, I hate to call coronavirus an opportunity, but only they could fumble the opportunity of being the only game in town. And now NHL has an interesting idea what they want to do, but I don't know. Well, yeah, and you're, 
and as the, much as the Andy's answer has about to come, the answer has to come by um, June fifth. I mean, realistically, because if yeah. you're going to have a three-week spring training and you're going to start playing July first, that's that's the deadline. That's right. Or you're just everybody sprint to the finish. Uh, we have a thirty-team playoff. Gee, won't this be fun? Oh, look, the Royals and Tigers have a chance. No, <laughs> please, please don't. Lights, camera, play ball. Inside baseball cinema. All right, so we're excited to welcome to Lights, Camera, Play Ball, Mr. Andrew Nelson's here. Andrew, how's it going, man? It's going good. How are you, Jim? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm, uh, I've been drafted into helping with graduation. I'm really excited ah. when that's over with. Yeah. Yeah, that's not been great. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the movie 42, which I find strangely inspiring and entirely problematic. All at the same time. Uh, what are your thoughts on the film? Yeah, I have kind of mixed thoughts about it too. Like, I do really like it kind of despite itself. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of corny. Um, but at the same time, I really like the story that it's telling and what it's trying to do. And um, really like a couple of the performances too. Where do you sit? Uh, because really for me, it's one performance that I just loathe. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not Chadwick Boseman either. So, um, no, I can't stand Harrison Ford in this film. And I feel yeah, like... really? Yeah, I feel like I should not be an American for saying that. But I think he's awful. Uh, he's not great, uh, I think he does deliver some really funny lines as Branch Rickey. Um, but yeah, it's not, uh, you know, not award-winning uh, acting for sure. I think for me what it comes down to is it's like he's trying to do, like he's, he's probably trying to do a relatively realistic approach to his accent mm-hmm. and missing. And it's almost like, see, that's why uh, – Kevin Costner didn't do a British accent in Robin Hood. If you can't do one, just don't. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, though, I think uh, John C. McGinley did a pretty good Red Barber, though. Yeah, I think John C. McGinley's really, really good in it. Um, you know, the one I hated seeing, though, was uh, Kevin. I can never pronounce his last name correctly. Um, is it Kevin Tudyk or... Oh, Al, uh, sorry, Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Alan. Yeah. I always, I, 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 you know, because he's such a, in every movie, he's so incredibly uh, likable. And then he's yeah. just not. Yeah, he's such a heel in this movie. It's so weird. Yeah. He's such a, Against he's such a dick. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and just to watch him like, um, again, uh, just the language is just abhorrent, particularly in the... Yeah political climate we're living in the last three days or so. So it's just awful. Sure. Um, we'll, after that, well, but it, it's weird and jarring to see for sure. I guess that's it, right? Like it's good because it makes me so upset, which I guess is the point. Right. You know, of that worst. I will give a little shout out to to Lucas Black's performance. Cause I think mm-hmm. most of the time dude can't act. But I think he's really good as Pee Wee Reese. Like, I think he's awful sure. in that Fast and the Furious movie. 
and he's the worst part of when Quantum Leap goes to NCIS. So yeah, um, yeah, I think he's not great. Yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed. Um, he, I think he did decently, and I really enjoyed uh, John C. McGinley, and I really enjoyed Toby Huss in this movie too, as as one of the Doctor's coaches. I can't remember which one. Yeah, no, I thought Toby Huss was great in the movie as well. It's such a weird deal because for some reason, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's kind of become the movie that people, they kind of make fun of now. Like it's almost mm-hmm. already become this, like like our cancel culture has already turned on it for some reason. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess sometimes people pile on things when they're not perfect. And, you know, hardly anything is. But when you take something that's as culturally important as, like, Jackie Robinson, and then somebody's like, well, you know, this, this one thing wasn't right about it, and that's <laughs> terrible and awful. And yeah, I think that happens a little bit too much nowadays. I, you know, I think the movie had good intentions and delivered pretty well on what it was trying to do and say. Um, was it Oscar winner? No, but I mean, how many baseball movies are what decent movie and enjoyed it? Yeah, I think the answer is one. I think the only one I could think of is the one with the least amount of baseball in it. Oppo taco, a fan's view of the show. What? He's back on for the next segment. Uh, We're actually welcoming Andrew Nelson back uh, to our Oppo taco segment. Um, Andrew, we are in a weird, bad state for Major League Baseball, and it seems like it's getting worse. Yeah. Uh, man, um, I really think that the, uh, the Major League owners and, uh, and Rob Manfred have never heard the, uh, never heard the expression, when you're in a hole, uh, the last thing you need to do is keep digging. <laughs> yeah. I'm, pr- I'm not even saying it right, but um, yeah. In the segment before years, we did a mashup of Go-Go Astros and, and uh, Big League Chew, and Annie Tom Chesson, our normal Go-Go Astros host, uh, called it the bag of dick situation. And I said, <laughs> yep, and, and everyone's still stepping on theirs. It's, yeah. I, um, and, and it seems like – I think the frustrating thing for me, man, is no other sports league is doing this. And that's what I really? can't grapple around. Yeah. I mean, it's – I think that – even in normal times, the the relations between the players and the ownership is more contentious in baseball than it is in the other major sports, and it's just being magnified, uh, magnified now, even more. Um, and I'm one hundred percent on the players' side. I, I think that they deserve to be paid, and that that they. They shouldn't be responsible for making uh, losses for ownership. But uh, you it's know. weird because I, I, there's a part of me that disagrees, right? Because part of me is like, okay, well, if it's for the good of our sport, <laughs> like if we want our sport to survive, if you want to continue to be paid an exorbitant amount of money, you can't yeah. have some. Uh, teams go into an unrecoverable financial disaster the caveat to that is and it's like 1994 all over again if the owners don't tell us how much they're losing how can we really have compassionate for them losing any money period definitely 
And um, while I agree that both sides need to give something to come together, because that's how negotiation works, um, at the same time, both sides have to act in good faith for negotiations to work right. And it really doesn't seem like there's any good faith effort coming from ownership side. No, it doesn't. And I think, um, like, I think the, you know, we talked about on the segment before I wanted your take on it as somebody who's followed baseball forever. Doesn't it feel like the owners are trying to break the union with this offer, particularly with the sliding scale salary situation? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, it's almost like somebody gave the owners a list of hey, these are the things you shouldn't do if you want to if you want to win this argument, and they misread it and it was like, oh, these are the things we should do. Uh, and the top of the list is look like you're trying to break the players' union. <laughs> I mean, it just looks so bald faced, uh, opportunistic. Uh, you know, they're, they're really obviously trying to pit the players against each other. And on the one hand, I'm kind of optimistic as far as that backfiring in that, like, baseball Twitter seems to mostly be on the players' side. But, you know, hardcore baseball fans aren't all of baseball's clientele, you know. No, you're exactly right. And I was thinking about this and I talked about a little bit about in my opening, you know, you and I are going to come back, right? You and right. I are, are going to be back next year. Yeah. Um, the people who won't are going to be the casual fan who a sees millionaires and billionaires fighting while they're worried about their next paycheck. Yeah. And then two, we can talk about who's going to lose money in all this. The fact of the matter mm -hmm. is, None of them are because they're going to pass it on to us in the form of right. higher ticket prices, higher gear prices, and that's going to drive them away as, as well. So I do kind of wish they would all take a step back and say, you know what, 2020 is different, right. um, and we have to do what's best for the survival of the game. And I just don't know that either side really seems concerned with doing that. Yeah, I think the one thing they can really do to show good faith and to, to move the process forward is – if ownership offered something concrete past this year in favor of the players, um, then there would maybe not be so much suspicion that they're just trying to screw them over. They're just trying to break the union. They're just trying to use this as an opportunity to, to get that control and to get what they want. This just in news from minor league baseball. All right, we are back here on our, late, our breaking news segment. And, um, you know, Michael, we've got Michael from SaveMILB.org, Don. I don't know that we should call it Black Thursday, but it feels like Black Thursday for minor leaguers. I, I mean, it, it certainly does. And it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of fitting and funny because I feel like every time we've, we've recorded a segment, we've immediately had to record a follow-up, yeah. which is exactly what happened. Um, we were going to talk about the the Oakland A's furloughing their minor league teams, um, their entire farm system, and we recorded a session. And I went to Costco, and 
all of a sudden there was a tweet from Jeff Passan saying. I, so this, yeah, let's go ahead and break it down for everyone. Cause we're not going to use the old segment. So let's just go from the beginning. What has gone on with the minor leagues today? So today um, Jeff Passan announced that minor league baseball will be cutting um, or major league baseball will be cutting ties with um, he reported thousands um I, I think he also said hundreds in the the same tweet but um long the short of it is uh many minor leaguers several hundred if not well over a thousand will be without a job um by the end of the day if they haven't already um and that effectively you know there's a thousand and fifty roster spots for the 42 teams that are available there was a thousand and 50 roster spots. Um, I guess there was a thousand and fifty fewer draft picks created by the the change in the 2020 draft pick policy, and now we just see you know the numbers certainly point to and indicate that Major League Baseball has made the decision uh, for minor league baseball. So let's unpack that for a second, because obviously baseball is a different animal than the NHL or the, or the NFL or the NBA. Um, there are farm systems that don't exist in other leagues. They do have, they do employ a great many more players than those other leagues do. Why is it though, that major league baseball seems to be the only league that seems to be stepping on its Johnson with every opportunity in this in this whole thing man like the player like Blake Snell's like hey I'm gonna go overly redneck this thing out to the point that Jeff Passan points out that he's only a high school educated and it shows and rather than major league baseball ownership just sitting back and letting that nope nope we're gonna cut everybody now like what is it about them trying to out asshole each other you know I I I really don't know it's to me it it seems like there's got to be some sort of larger game at at play that we don't know um and because i don't believe it's about financial insolvency i believe that if it was financial insolvency we would have some indication of that um so unless something really shady is happening i can't see a logical explanation for why major league baseball does this other than it it just it, it wants to reinvent itself maybe um but in doing so it it's it's doing it in really awful um probably the worst way you can imaginable um in terms of making it less fan friendly in terms of making the experience that much more enjoyable and robbing small town america of the opportunity to see baseball played professionally and you know uh, hopefully some fans will grow will will become fans of the, uh, the the parent club yeah um, i don't get it i don't get it um, yeah then there, that bleacher report more to it now bleacher reports leaking out that they just expect i mean it's what everybody knows right we all expect the minor league season to be canceled period mm-hmm. um nothing about this proposed 35 player roster with a 20 person taxi squad essentially doubling the major league roster says you can have a minor league system is this all it seems like it's a high risk gamble, right? Because, you know, I, I, I've got, well, I've got the Tacoma Rainier stuff on tonight, right? They're mm-hmm. going to be fine. They're the AAA team of the Seattle Mariners. They're okay. You're wearing Vermont Lake Monster gear right now. They are Absolutely. a team on that list 
there's no way they can survive this. No, no. I mean, at, at this point, Major League Baseball seems to have made the decision to um, expedite the process that they have been pushing for negotiations. Uh, they can't survive. You know, I, I don't know. I, I like the example of the Savannah Bananas and the Macon Bacon in terms of communities that lost uh, a minor league team and then rebuilt themselves into something amazing at the collegiate um, wood bat level. Yeah. I, I can see that happening for some teams. I can see some markets maybe even being attractive to some lower level independent league circuits, but you know, there's, there's going to be whole swaths of the country whose experience with baseball will be very negative at this point, because the only opportunity for them to see a game within hours hours was their minor league affiliate maybe an hour away yeah um so i guess if you want to watch the game now you have to the only the only the only show in town will be the major league baseball tv package which which is exorbitantly expensive and baseball ratings uh, you know, I think it's a bubble to some degree, and I don't think baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that baseball sustains itself as a TV only sport for people. Um, maybe I'm wrong. The collegiate summer league thing is interesting because it's that seems to be to me a more natural direction because mm-hmm. at least with collegiate summer league, the big difference between independent minor league baseball and affiliated for everyone out there is you're not paying payer salary when you're affiliated. Well, you're also not doing that with the collegiate summer league. So maybe that is a way for vermont to survive if they're one of the ones you know i don't know i find the whole thing just completely off-putting yeah and and, you know when you see programs like like when we let's talk about the the collegiate baseball programs Furman just cut their program the other day yep um i want to say it was the third or fourth d1 program to go under since covid19 started um you know you're going to see scholarships dry up programs go under universities reduce athletic scholarships and the lower revenue sports will be the first ones to take a hit and baseball is for many schools not a revenue generating sport yeah i've, I've seen a estimates up if you, if you look at all levels of ncaa baseball up to 100 teams from divisions one two and three could eventually be phased out um michael mm-hmm. thanks so much for jumping on again uh, we'll absolutely. be back in a few weeks to see how things go but thanks for joining let's get to absolutely james thank you so much and now on to close it out the right-hander from houston texas James Christopher. So it does wrap us up. You know, I know it was a kind of a downer of an episode. Uh, more word about minor league clubs that are just basically being decimated. There's no other way to describe it. Decimation to the affiliated minor leagues. Hopefully the players that can stick to it will find opportunities to play elsewhere. But that again, pushes other opportunities for other players down. I mean, there's only a finite amount and that, that amount got less. But I know it's been a bummer of an episode. I do hope that you will find have a good weekend. I know some of us are in for some bad weather. You know, try to hunker down. Try to do your best, best to enjoy what you have, this situation. Listen to America's favorite minor league podcast. And then when you're done with that, listen to ours. Um, we do have some fun news, though. Uh, we are going to 
have a football podcast next season. Um, we are going to talk about college football, hopefully bringing the same energy and perspective, you know, that passion, that fan, that fan look to the world of college football. So we're very excited about that. So until next time, let's get to it.